0: Hello and welcome back to the Transform Podcast. My name is Caleb Rutherford and I'm your host. And I'm so appreciative and grateful that we have this opportunity to sit down and study the Bible together. I am excited to continue in season number six. This is episode number six. This season, we are talking all about transforming our worship. And I'm so excited to dive into this uh, next set of lessons, uh, episodes with another guest that we have on. But before we get to him, I want to thank everyone, as always, for listening and being a supporter, not only of this podcast, but also of the Scattered Abroad Network. If you wouldn't mind, and if you haven't been already, go to our website, scatteredabroad.org. You can find out all of the information about all of our podcasts and everyone on the network there. Also, if you would subscribe to our email list, you can uh, receive two emails a month, uh, right to your email inbox. And that uh, gives you more information and keeps you up to date on our network and all of the things that we're doing. Um, And I just uh, am so appreciative of everything that uh, that you all, uh, through your support, allow us to do. Uh, We do have a special guest on uh, this this week, next week, and also the week after. So for the next three episodes, and that is uh, my coworker and co-preacher, and uh, also father-in-law, <laughs> uh, Joey Not Davis. Necessarily in that order, <laughs> right? Uh, but Joey, thanks uh, for taking the time to be on the podcast today.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Absolutely. Well, we do this with all of our our guests, and I don't think I've actually had you on my personal podcast before. So if you wouldn't mind just giving your uh, a brief introduction to our audience about who you are.
1: Yes, yeah, So, um, like you have alluded to, I uh, am uh, a co-preacher with you here at the Roanoke Church of Christ and the DFW Metroplex. I've been here for about uh, between 13 or 12 and 13 years and uh, really enjoy being in this area, working uh, with this congregation and uh, now working alongside you.
0: Yep. So it's it's been a good experience um, for the last almost. It's almost been a year. I think two weeks. It'll be a year uh, at the time of actually recording this. Um, so uh, yeah. it's it's been a it's been a good experience, and certainly we're happy to be here. Um, this episode, obviously, you've seen it from the title, and perhaps maybe you clicked on it just because the title was intriguing. Uh, but we've entitled this episode "Transforming Our Worship: Colon Peds," um, and if you are, you know, among the sports realm, you know what this is, but perhaps you don't. And maybe, maybe you're wondering, what in the world are PEDs? Or maybe you thought it said PEDs. What's a PED? Right. So Joey, talk a little bit about, you know, just what performance enhancing drugs are, why people use them, um, and kind of the purpose of it.
1: Yeah, so probably the simplest uh, way to look at that is just, you know, the drugs that uh, are available and are used by some uh, athletes to increase their ability, you know, to to make their ability more than you know what would really be expected right. of them. Uh, maybe to short circuit the process of getting to the place where you you have the ability that the drugs uh, provide for you. Just uh, just kind of looking at some definitions and things but basically performance enhancing drugs or substances that people take, I would say to bypass really the arduous process of becoming proficient in something or above proficient in that. And, you know, also to improve their realized ability beyond their perhaps innate ability. And so in the sports arena from the, drug perspective, I would say that's a good idea of what we're talking about. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And you look at it, you know, from the perspective, of, you know, professional sports, um, you know, PEDs obviously are illegal. Um they're you're not allowed to use them. Right. Um you see when players get caught using them, there are uh severe punishments um and oftentimes uh you know bans and the inability to play for you know get, you know sometimes seasons. Um, uh, that's how severe it is and how important it is. So how do how in the world does this, what does this have to do with our worship, right? Um, that's a great question. No, <laughs> yeah. just kidding. J- Joey came on this <laughs> podcast to know why, yeah. <laughs> why we're talking about this. Yeah. No, but I think, you know, I, I think at least from the surface, I think at this point, everybody can kind of understand where we're going with this. Um, you know, when we talk about performance-enhancing drugs um, or PEDs in terms of our worship, you know, I don't think that anybody is taking literal, um, actual, you know, drugs or things like that to try to perform, um, in a worship setting in, uh, in a quote-unquote better way. But uh, we're going to talk about kind of what we what we mean by this. So as we begin this, let me ask this question: What are, uh, just to kind of get this out of the way, what are some PEDs that? Our religious world uses, or that we see our religious world use, in what what they would call their worship. Yeah,
1: I'm going to backtrack just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. We we talked about the definition of uh, PEDs, but as we make that a metaphorical application of that, you know, based on the definition and the description we gave of the actual drugs, I would say that metaphorically, PEDs in worship. That would be those things that we add to improve, or at least in our minds, improve our realized ability beyond our actual actual ability right. in worship, or to bypass the arduous process of becoming proficient in that particular thing, in this case, right. worship. And there's a double flaw in the reasoning behind that, and I want to save that for the last question. I think the— The flaw in that kind of thinking that we need to do something to improve or enhance, at least in this way, you know, that that gets to the fourth question that we're going to talk about. So now back to the first question, what are some PEDs uh, that our religious world uses in worship? I think probably the one that most people would settle on would be mechanical instruments of music right and worship right, right. Uh, I think uh praise teams is another example you know you could go so far as to say toe tapping and hand clapping right you know just things to give um, the the music in worship a more rhythmic type you know contemporary yeah percussion feel to it. Uh, I would say mic'd up and turned up musicians, mm-hmm. sure. you know, would be another way yeah. that people try to enhance uh, worship. And then leaving the the music, but and just going, you know, maybe more to the preaching. You know, the TED Talk, comedic type performances mm-hmm. instead of gospel preaching. Uh, those seem to me to be at least metaphorically. Performance enhancement efforts.
0: Right, right. No, I think you're exactly right. Anything that that anybody would add in, right, something that is not, you know, prescribed, something that is not in the line of what God would have us to do, anything outside the realm of that— um, we would consider uh, something to be along this line of what we're talking about, and and it's interesting, you know, you look at some uh, you know, some of these these churches that are out there, these religions that are out there, they have what what they call, you know, they have the two services on, on a Sunday morning, right? They have the um, the traditional, and then what they would call maybe the contemporary, right? the the one where they have the the acapella singing and the traditional you know your worship is normal what it's always looked like for the last few, you know few hundred years and then you have another worship service where they add in all of these things um, and they try to make it a different experience um, so to speak and it's really unfortunate um, because people people think that they have to have something else um, you know to accompany them in their worship and it, and it really is unfortunate and I kind of think it kind of takes us into our second question what's the point Behind bringing something extra in to our worship assemblies,
1: yeah, I I think in answering that question, the point could be made that any effort along those lines could be well intentioned, right?
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: But misguided, right? You know, I don't I don't necessarily believe that everybody that innovates uh regarding God's will on a particular matter is trying to be destructive or is right. trying with a mindset of rebellion right right They're, they have perhaps a well-intentioned mind but it's seriously misguided yeah it's absolutely. lost sight I you know Cain and Abel if you you could take them as an example sure you know and Cain uh innovated. Right, Right? he did something other than what God had prescribed, and and someone might say, "Well, how do you know that?" Well, we know that Abel offered by faith. Right, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and we're to walk by faith, not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we know that they had instruction regarding the worship. Abel did what God had prescribed. Cain innovated. You know, for whatever reason, you know, he wanted, he felt like perhaps it needed to be a representation of what he thought was acceptable rather right. than what God had asked for. You know, Nadab and Abihu, mm-hmm. you know, they did something other than what God had prescribed. And, uh, you know, as I was thinking about this, I thought about Acts chapter 17 and verse 23, uh, when Paul uh, Marseille observed all of the objects of their worship. And he points out that he found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. And he says, therefore, the one to whom you worship ignorantly, King James, or without knowing, mm-hmm. the new King James, him I proclaim unto you. And that idea of not knowing, at least the underlying word, means to be uninformed or to pay little attention to or to be unaware of one's wrongdoing. Sure. you know it's it's ignorant behavior in light of God's instruction and expectation right,
0: yeah, and I think it's you know it's interesting when you look at people, you know maybe somebody has you know grown up from their childhood in an environment like that. And that's what they've always known. It's so what that has always been done, where they have been. Um, and perhaps, you know, they just assume that that's just, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what everybody does, right. you know, kind of mindset. Um, but, you know, the, you and I understand, and I, I would, you know, most of our audience would understand that, you know, even as individuals, we still have a responsibility to ourselves and to God um, to seek out what he would have us to do. And that comes through our own study of the word of God. And so, you know, for somebody to... You know, grow up in an environment like that—that's all they've known. Um, they also still have a responsibility, though, to figure out what's right and what's wrong, um, and what God would have them to do. Um, so, I, I think it's a great point that you make there, though, that you know, a lot of times, it's I, you know, it's just that's just what they've always done. Isn't um,
1: that an obligation in any relationship? I mean, if sure. we just break this down in in a simple way, you know, a husband and a wife and their relationship—you're right—you're obligated to know and understand what. You know your your wife wants, or a person's husband wants, you know, for a, a gift or something. Right. You don't necessarily give them what. Well, uh, you know, I I'd kind of like some tickets to a football games. So surely, <laughs> surely she would she would appreciate that because right. that's what I would appreciate. Right. I I'm not so sure about that. Right. Right. So we're obligated, and we understand that in very practical ways in our human relationships. It stands to reason then that we should understand in our relationship to God, we should know what He wants. And we should want to give Him what He wants. Right. not base what we give Him off of what we think
0: He wants. Right. Yeah, and I think that's where you kind of get yourself into um, maybe the thought process behind using things like this, uh, the idea of, you know, you're wanting to—you think there's something more. Something else needs to be done. There needs to be something more to— you know, enhance the worship environment or the worship experience and the idea of making themselves feel good. Right. That's a reason why a lot of people do this or why a lot of people choose, you know, to go the contemporary route away, you know, not the traditional route, because you know, I I don't know. It's just like as humans, we've we've always like, there's got to be something else out there. Right. You're always looking for the next thing. The next best thing There's always got to be something else that uh, you know you we've never tried before and 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 it's got to be what's good for us and so um i I think a lot of um there's a lot of reasons as to why people do that um but certainly certainly uh things that need to be considered uh by people who 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 partake in, in this kind of worship um you know I, I something that a lot of people uh say you know if you're having a conversation with someone you you say you know worship is um supposed to be um prescribed of you know a cappella singing and we have commands for that, you know, yeah. Ephesians five, sixteen, um, and so on and so forth. Um but a lot of times what people will say is well, well look, you know, God never said, you know, thou shalt not use this instrument, or thou shalt not use a piano or a guitar or drums, or, you know, have Fog machines, or you know, whatever it is that you know that that might be going on at their uh, in their worship assembly. So, what would you say? How would you respond um, to to somebody who says something like that?
1: Well, that's kind of a head scratcher, right? Because I wonder if people really believe uh, this is an actual argument right. when they use it, right? There, there are there are so many things that we would all recognize. As wrong that are not explicitly forbidden right. in the Bible, uh, even regarding worship, that's the case. I'm sure some some people would argue that. I mean, we're talking about PEDs metaphorically,
0: right? right? But right. I'm
1: sure there are some people who would argue that using drugs to enhance worship would be a good idea. Sure, right? Yeah. They, I mean there there are a lot of people who would argue that they're more spiritual
0: right you know when right. they're
1: they're high, but most reasonable people would not give give in to that argument uh you know that the argument that the Bible doesn't say not to mm. use drugs um or there there's no verse that forbids that right so lot- you know reasonable people understand that you know the reality is that God has told us what to do it's not um it's not in one single verse either right right what what we gather from the sum total of New Testament teaching about what constitutes worship is not explicitly stated in one verse right you you, you it's collectively presented you know throughout uh the New Testament sometimes it takes arduous effort mm-hmm. right we started with that to get a full grasp of New Testament teaching on the Bible subject but but we are not to shortcut the process. We have to put forth the effort to know and to not act uh, ignorantly. so I you know that I my initial thought is to question the sincerity of sure of that question, Absolutely. realizing that that some people just don't know, right. and I would try to educate them on the fact that the Bible doesn't forbid you know, explicitly state things that are forbidden. Some, sometimes yes, but when God gives a positive command, he tells us what to do, mm-hmm. then we're obligated to do that.
0: Right. And I, I think, like you said, you know, it's uh, I. you have to wonder the sincerity of someone asking that because— you know, and everybody's used this illustration. If you think of a parent telling a child, go to the store, here's a list of what to get. You know, yeah. they want what they have asked for, nothing more, nothing less. And the same, it's the same is, with, is with God. He is our authority over us. Um, his authority reigns supreme. And thus, when he states something, it automatically, um, you know, outlaws everything else. You know, yeah. go, going forward with it or going backward with it. You know, you consider Noah in the ark. Um, he, he was told specific wood, specific dimensions, anything more, or anything less, um, that, that they would not have survived. Um, you know, you think baptism and immersion, the exact same thing. And people have so many qualms with that, but, um, God has specifically stated that immersion is what is to take place. And thus there's nothing more, nothing less. Um, yeah. the same thing as with, as with our worship as well. So number four, I, and I think, you know, we've kind of, Uh, We've stated this without stating it, but does God really care if we use uh, what we are calling PEDs or anything extracurricular to enhance our, quote-unquote, our our worship? Does God really care if we do this?
1: So this now, you know, the the comment I made about reserving the part of this until this last question, I I would say yes. Uh, Take, for instance, uh, the first observation made in the introduction, right? Uh, Peds are used to bypass the arduous process of becoming proficient in the skill of worship. Right. Let's say, rather than helping people develop, or uh, help helping them develop an interest a commitment uh, to their love for God in worshiping Him the way He's prescribed. Some try to fit God into what. People already prefer, right, right, right. And that—that's really what we're—we're we're getting at. We're trying to make worship to God attractive to what people are used to, right? You know, advertisers don't try to drastically challenge and alter people's interest in order to sell to them. They don't do that. They capitalize on the interest you already have and sell products as something that satisfies that interest. Right. So similarly. People will add instruments, praise teams, bands, and the concert feel to music and worship because they think that's what appeals to society, mm-hmm. and that's going to draw people in. Um, it's much more risky to try to transform people into God lovers who sincerely want to know what God likes and to provide that to Him in worship. It It is risky, but that's exactly what is... Required. Right. You know, John 4 24, we're to worship God in spirit and truth. Uh Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, Paul gets to the point that uh we're to we pres- we're not to be conformed to this world, we're to be transformed, we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, right? holy acceptable to God, which is our spiritual duty, our reasonable service. And so the, the other part is that. PED is used in worship to improve our actual ability, right? Mm. We're trying to improve. So some congregations mic up the best singers. They had praise teams uh, with which others sing along. Uh, The flaw here is that God never asked us to doctor up anything, especially our worship, to the point that, that we're satisfied with it. He commanded us to sing and make melody in our hearts, to the Lord, Ephesians 5, 19 and 20. The problem seems to be that people get more concerned about how people view worship rather than having a care for what God thinks about it.
0: Right. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I think it's important to think about, you know, certainly when it comes to the acts of worship, you know, we should, we should strive to do our, our absolute very best. Um, and, and, you know, it should take great thought, great effort, um, great diligence on our part, but not to the point to where we are going beyond our natural ability to do what God has required us to, us to do. And I think that's that's the important thing, because when you do that, it, it begins, begins to become almost, you know, artificial, or it's not something that is natural, not something that is truly, you know, authentic coming from you um, when you begin to add all of these other things in. So certainly God cares, right, because He's told us what He wants worship to look like. And if he didn't care, then God would have, you know, God wouldn't have stated he would have, you know, whatever you want to do is fine. And so I think that's important to know.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I would say the the one enhancement that is quite frankly, often missing in worship and one that God would be pleased is with happens on the inside and it right. has to do with our attitude. Sure. If we want to improve worship, we should enhance our attitude. Absolutely,
0: about it. absolutely. Yep. There's the whole spirit and truth uh, aspect. You know, it's a command to be in the right spirit, the right frame of mind uh, when you worship. And- Uh, so that's something we need to consider, uh, every first day of the week as we, as we approach the assembly, uh, opportunity that we have, uh, Joey, thanks so much for taking some time. Looking forward to having you on, uh, both next week and the week after. Thank you again so much for listening to this podcast. Looking forward to being with you next week. As always, you can go to our website, uh, scatteredabroad.org, find all the information there. Everything else will be in our show notes below. Again, thank you so much. Looking forward to being with you next week. And until then, may God bless.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the scattered abroad network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.